those are the reasons why we're like in such a tribal state because we haven't actually resolved our own personal conflicts. I don't label myself anymore. I don't say I'm in this group and the other group. You know, I've participated in different political discussions with many different groups, you know, different ranges of opinions. Ideally, I want to say that we can build a consensus and we can create a better world, but we shouldn't tell what other people should do and not do. We should do something about it in our own personal life and work towards that future. Can you share more about how, what got you into that? So, you know, many years ago, I started my journalism activities in Laredo. And in general, I think the unchecked opinions in what people believe society typically functions as such. They believe that society is based on certain principles of liberalism. You know, everybody's included. And then later on, as life progressed, mm. you know, they started realizing there's a lot of corruption and you know some people point the fingers on racism but for someone who's been aware for a long time on the development of corruption in human society you know that it takes a lot of shapes and forms and it's present everywhere and uh, when i started getting involved i essentially started questioning and challenging challenging the status quo you know what is the established opinion why is it that there's preconceived conclusions that are perfectly acceptable but once you analyze them they're not really reasonable so okay and you many know things to go into i'm, I'm curious just uh, on on that topic of of liberalism right i'm sure there's a lot of you it's know packed word it's a very packed word yeah, right it's, it's a like word. and you know immediately I, i imagine anyone listening i could imagine i'm the bad guy And it's like, well, and I wouldn't even say that it's more, there, there, there would be people that might feel like, what are you trying to say, you know? But like the fact that that could become a reaction, you know? Well, I, th I think maybe I should use more neutral language because it could be provocative because if you think, okay, if I say liberalism, you're going to be thinking, well, he's a conservative. He's one of those people who everything is a snowflake and I'm better than others. I'm, uh, society is really based on stereotypical uh, personas that mm. are not really true to life. People are more comp complex, there's more uh, gray areas and stuff. Not everything is black and white. Definitely there's some principles that are very black and white. I believe that all associations, relationships, contracts should be mm. consensual. Consensual. That's mm. the key word. Everything has to be based on choice. And if one does not prefer to make a choice, then they should not be coerced through violence. I think in general, people can agree with that. But yeah. when the implementation of how it works out and how it actually, you know, de deals out with justice, ideas of justice, ideas of regulation, mm -hmm. people usually don't make that connection. They make a leap of logic. They will say, well, we do mm -hmm. need a centralized governmental body to ensure that everything is fair and justifiable and true. And yes, of course, we can have that. But... Really, what will be more ideal is to have a decentralized uh, decentralization of authority, or meaning you yourself are responsible for your own life, your personal property, and you know you should respect other people's personal property because it entails your own prosperity. If you go all over there and attack people, it mm -hmm. actually means that you're going to be less prosperous because you're going to be fighting and fighting and fighting. 
mm-hmm. and you're not actually going to be building up and being prosperous. But back to the isms, you know. So I started really getting would, into it. Real quick like before that. we get into that, sure. would you say that that's uh, along? What would you call all of that, like that line of thought? Like for me, for me, when I hear those uh, points of acknowledgement, uh, I find it interesting because I'm not familiar with it. Uh, right. And I wonder of those who may receive uh, such points, what that might mean to them. And I'm, I'm curious, what, what, how can, like, what would you call that? All that? Yeah. Uh, it's experience. In one word, I could say experience. Hmm. Okay, so I don't know how else to say it, but if you get involved in politics, you get involved in philosophy, psychology, spirituality, it's not just said and done it's not just oh i believe this is it and that's all there is and that's how people usually believe with ideas that's all there is but with art and with science mm. it's an unfinished process it's an ongoing process that it requires the involvement of every individual to their capacity but okay what would i say experience why would i call it experience because after a while early on 20 20 mid-20s you believe that getting involved in the larger systematic uh, conflict of government and poverty and all that, that that is giving you some direction in life. Or, and then you actually do it and you mm. get confronted with the unintended consequences of utilitarian pursuits. Utilitarian pursuits. The utilitarianism in, in, in a nutshell means, oh, the greatest good that could benefit everyone. Mm. And that sounds reasonable, but then you have to have some skepticism when it, mm-hmm. with any idea. Uh, so government is based on utilitarianism. Essentially, whatever will benefit all of us. But really, what is benefiting us? For the government to secure our freedom. But when it actually tries to do that, it, it creates more centralized power. And that centralization of power removes us from our own personal freedom. It doesn't actually make us secure. So mm. surface level... It, it, that's the selling pitch. Right, right. It's going to help everybody. In reality, different. Right. You know, I I find it so interesting because, you know, I, you know, uh, in the observation of the expressions of, of I guess within the realms of politics, it's like, you know, the more I dive in, the more I recognize I really don't know what's going on, <laughs> and I think it's cool that that there could be. Uh, expansions and depths of understandings from various perspectives, and you know, I, I wonder what you know. Uh, what do you what do you think somebody that may? Why do you think someone may find? If I might uh, be curious, uh, why someone would may feel like I guess not want to hear that, or maybe uh, maybe find a disagreement, or Perhaps, like, you know what, I could agree with that. Like, what, what comes to mind? Uh, again, cultural conditioning. But I, I was just going to make a joke, like, uh, <laughs> I'm a bad guy. <laughs> no, that's the thing. That's the problem, though. When you criticize in society, you are challenging people's comfortability, their level of uh, complacency. But then if you say complacent, well, what do I mean by that? Well, there's real prioritized issues in society that we've 
for some reason or the other, society has decided not to speak about them or they should not be talked about. Just leave them alone. Or leave it alone. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk mm -hmm. about religion because that won't make you friends and that's not how people get along. Well, why is it that in society you're not allowed to have an open discussion, open-ended? That doesn't mean one win, that's it. It means win-win for everyone. So freedom of speech, everyone gets involved. And if you control the language with a centralized governmental body, meaning you get a committee and it's politicized that they say this word is bad, you should mm -hmm. use these words, then you're in, in essence controlling what level of Freedom thought. of speech. Yeah, you're le a level of thought that, and I mean, we're still talking about this even yeah. though it's like, okay, back yeah. to 2016, 2016 and a lot of millennial people or whatever they call them now it's zoomers or, <laughs> you know they're getting into it and they're looking at it but if you look out 2016 2012 28 all of these different epochs they're basically on the cyclical calendar of presidential elections and politics right, right. yeah but yeah. it's like the wrestlemania it's people are like wow my favorite guy is winning i hate you know, him less yeah yeah you know isn't that strange how how easy it pulls to feel the sightedness like for example uh, I wonder if someone like I like how you're playing with I'm the bad guy, right? Like the that I phrase, and and like <laughs> why would someone have to call you the bad guy? And I'm curious if it could just be that you know what maybe I don't agree, but I'm curious to seek understanding of what why you're saying and how you got to those points, and and okay. maybe you know what maybe I still don't understand. But that was a cool conversation kind of thing. Like for me, like I'll be totally honest, like, you know, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm like, I don't under, I don't fully like understand the spectrum of the these kind of conversations. And even if it's not understood, uh, can it can it can conversation still occur, I guess? Yeah, uh, I can break it down as to why and we'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's the fun part. But I can put it in biblical terms and not to be different. Sure. I mean, deriding religion because I've, <clears throat> I've looked into it and, you know, my podcast, again, I'm saying this because... What's it called, by the way? Uh, it's no longer active. So, oh, oh, so I remember okay. well, I'm let just us know. now... If you want them to plug back in, <laughs> let them know. <laughs> I'm on the Hive blockchain, Dungeon Master 93. I only publish my work on decentralized platforms and cryptocurrency. Ooh, so blockchain operator. Yeah, so... I don't have an active podcast. I have an ongoing writing series. I might go to podcasting. I don't know. Right now, I'm just You let nobody. them know. You just write it in. Just let them know. I'm a nobody right now. <laughs> but in, seri in seriousness, why is it that I'm portraying the cheeky persona of bad guy? You know, Well, it really goes back to research. And uh, one of my guests in my podcast some time ago, Jordan Maxwell, relays the story. Yeah, but the crown of thorns that Jesus supposedly died with the crown of thorns. <clears throat> is a corona, a crown of thorns. And those thorns are the sun rays. And this is why we call Jesus God's son, the light of the world. Because the sun, S-U-N, is the light that lights our world. The sun worship today. We all, no matter what nation you're in, worship the sun. Because the sun is the greatest power in our little life and this little solar system.
he's a predominant godfather of conspiracy. Basically, his theory in a nutshell is that the story in the Bible is a metaphorical truth that is symbolic of the never-ending story of the forces of evil and the forces of good, usually what people think the Bible is, right? There's much more to it, and one of it is that people are not ready for the truth. People will rather have Harabas. So the story is that he relays, and I really like this story. That's why okay. I bring it out. Essentially, uh, when uh, Jesus Christ was being um, judged and he was about to be sentenced, there was a moment of redemption, a moment where the, the guards are speaking to the Jewish crowd and they're saying, we have Barabbas, who's a criminal convict, and he's been repeatedly as menace in society. Or we have Jesus Christ, this righteous miracle worker. Mm -hmm. And people would rather choose the criminal convict in the story. They, mm. The crowd chooses Harabbas. They choose to redeem him of death. There's their religious right that allows for a criminal to be redeemed. They chose Harabbas because it's a lot better for them to be in their own deception and illusion. Okay, so that's one biblical example, but we can talk mm. philosophical, like the Platonic cave, you know, the, the, the Plato's cave. Ah, I, right? love, I love this one, if, if you're not familiar. It, well, essentially, yeah. you know, people live in a world of shadows, in the catacombs of ignorance, and they prefer that because it's an interesting story. It's a myth. And when they have to walk into the sunlight, it's a very arduous task because they have to... Climb. Yeah, exactly. And it's a hole that they're climbing out of. That's the hole of ignorance. And so the Socratic... Uh, ideal is to be actively skeptical of your own beliefs and ideas. What do you think? Uh, do you think there's a there's a hesitancy to be skeptical on on the entirety of things that are being raised as you know that's reflective of convictions? Yeah, of course they have to be because then. Okay, in a crowd mentality that has a shared idea and it can't be questioned. And they have to toe the line or else they are seen to be an outsider, an other, someone who is a threat to their uh, to their community, you know, right. whatever that might be. And classical liberalism as a philosophical ideology of the Western cultural I tradition. I that phrase. It's really, really a vital, important phase of human development. But it was created by people who had faults. Ah, so is this uh, like like the founding fathers kind of generation? Well, they had they had to be part of that. They were involved. It's the French Revolution started off with the Jacobins and different other groups. Essentially, they were uh, revolting. Uh, we're talking 1780s, 1760s. Isn't that crazy? Like we're yeah. 2021, and it still affects you. It still affects you in some way. But okay, mm -hmm. point of it all is, it was about self-determination you own your own property and your own self and there's an open public square that people can talk about things that is helpful mm. but uh, there are like ideas facebook. yeah well facebook is now not so much anymore never <laughs> that was the whole idea mm. but uh you know coming down to the wire here uh, if you question things you come out as an outsider or as someone, someone that challenges things and that leaves you in a very isolated state that's yeah. what my writing kind of tries to focus on and fix. Mm. You know, mm. just because you question things and you challenge the status quo doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Doesn't mean you have to be suspicious. Doesn't mean you have to be paranoid. Doesn't mean the world's going to end. You can be happy. Well, before we go into further deep dives of like, what are some examples that we can play with in terms of the exploring of thoughts within the realm of 
playing with what could be questioned. I, I'm very, I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, how? Bef let's let's flash back a little bit, uh, if we may. Uh, you know, I know we talked about it in the first episode. Do you remember that initial reception of news? That first, that first digestion of any political view. You know, from hmm, that's a good point. Okay. To like how it unraveled to, you know what? This is this has got to be voiced. Right, and then how it got to, to the point of full blown expression. You know what? I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna express like I'm gonna something must be done about it, right? And I, I noticed that uh, across the spectrum of explorations of like what's what's trending right in 2021. Yeah. Yet, you know, why do you think? through such convictions yet we're still are we divided by it or what's the thing that's dividing or are there things that that don't divide how may there be things that bring the element of you night what comes to mind well a lot of people are depressed and angry and addicted to suffering mm. pleasure seeking behavior can be very insufferable it could numb you out. So why would people be addicted to their own uh, suffering? I think it's a, more important for people to feel satisfied than to feel con like actually happy because happiness is a fleeting thing that you have to actively work on. So one thing, this flips people's head when I say, there's no reason to be happy. And it's like, well, okay, what do you mean? There's no reason to be happy. There's so, every reason to be. Okay, there's no reason right, to be happy, right. but you. that's why you just, just be happy because <laughs> there's you don't need a reason for it. You could just be happy. So how does that mean anything whatsoever? Well, yeah. why are people purchasing their own debt? Why are people like buying things that they can't afford, putting themselves in risky situations that are going to make them uncomfortable and make them feel humiliated? Well, because mm -hmm. they believe happiness is going to actually come about, you know, if they do this or the other. That's the whole objective of, the, mm -hmm. like, the Madison Avenue corporate agenda, you know, to keep Ooh, the consumers that? going. Madison what? Madison Avenue. So it's just sort of like a colloquial way, a colloquial way of saying, you know, like the industry marketing. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, they, they, they want you to buy. And it's weird. Okay, so I'm taking a class. It's just a random thing. Okay. Taking a class to finish some uh, certification that I, I want. Anyways, but business intelligence mm -hmm. is important in the marketing of any product. So essentially, you know, companies, they data mine your persona online find out things about you mm. and then that's how they plug Ooh. in uh, that's it's just ubiquitous it's not a conspiracy yeah it's 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 a full-blown knowing like whenever we say yes to an update do we really know what we're saying yes to yeah and well don't worry about it because you like the app anyway so just hit yes and all of a sudden we're signing off what yeah is that what you mean yeah, in a deeper way. Yeah. That's true. It functions with our consent, and we participate in it, and we interact with it. Would you say, like, the equivalent to the use of it, or let me just shop here real quick, is that, have you heard the, you know the phrase, uh, you know, give them an inch, they'll take a mile kind of thing, an inch of, like, oh, it's just, just yes, yeah. just for the sake of using it, and the mile of the total, the totality of mapping of, timing of use experience. of it the experience everything that entails experience through the portal is a mapping that's being inputted is that what you like along those yeah, lines you walk away from your playstation it's recording you 
Yeah. You know, you leave your phone. That's it's so crazy. It's you locating know? you and stuff. It, this stuff has happened. Yeah, and it's been for years. about it forever, and then now it's like, oh, hey, this happens. I'll never forget the first <laughs> time my brother brought that up, well, and he works in technology, and since, yeah. like, I remember the he would come back from conventions, like, 2001, and he would say, like, oh, you know, uh, you know everything's going to be wireless. And I remember thinking, you're crazy. Like, how, how, could, that mean? Mean? how could that be? We Whatever. need wires. We need wires. And now everything is, that's the norm. Yeah, exactly. And I remember the, uh, the, the he would mention, like, did you know if there's a camera on something, it has every capability of access. Yeah. Access. And so to me, it's like, oh, so is it the new phone equivalent to, you know, when we go to sleep, you know, like imagine going to sleep and you're like, you know what? I forgot to leave the door open and you leave the door open, unlocked and, you know, no one's going to come in anyway and probably no one will, but the access is. And of course, who knows, perhaps someone does all the time, takes pictures, copies everything and, you know, looks through everything, takes pictures of everything, leaves you wake up. Oh, look, no one came in yet. Uh, I mean, that's a, I don't know if that's a stretch to no, analogy. No, <laughs> not at all. No, because that's the other angle of this. Okay, so simulation of experience and then being open to the world of criminality. But, I mean, think about it, too, in different ways. Okay, so where I was going with the business intelligence that mm. is necessary to produce a lot of content for people to consume and purchase. Mm. So the idea, in mind. The idea is to uh, reduce the customer's purchasing power. So your brother tells you about the beginning of a new rollout of technology where it's mm -hmm. going to be wireless. Well, the, the prevalent ubiquitous technology is artificial intelligence and database mining. You know, that's important. And why is that important? Well, the context of where we ex exist today is a technocracy, right? Mm -hmm. So the technocracy, what is a technocracy? Yeah, it, yeah. It's a system in which individuals of high level of expertise in finance and in technology, investment, all these other different intersecting uh, economic departments, they are the ones steering society towards their ideals, Right, so in 1970s, 1960s, futurists were talking about different ideas that were going to be implemented in the future. You know, those ideas are real now, of course. This what, are, so what are some examples? Uh, well, sex robots, uh, digital uh, currency. I know it sounds kind of like, yeah, yeah. but if you're talking about these things. But it is an actual reality. Yeah, now. it's an actual yeah. reality, right? And, you know, our artificial wombs and different things like that, you know. So, uh, because in Brave... Uh, Brave New World, they had a, a whole industry of artificial wombs pumping out new children. In the movie, I like the movie. I prefer to watch the movie. It was really cool. I need to see it. I haven't uh, seen it. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. But it, the point of Should it... Should we watch it? <laughs> it's right. a long one. you got to be in a really bored mindset. <laughs> yeah. But I, anyway, the point being is that they have analytics to completely make a... Pers like an, a deductible persona, meaning like they know where you are, what you do because they're trying to consume your energy mm. and lower your, your choices. So why are corporations in line with all the, you know, Black Lives Matter, all mm. these different ads, and why? Oh, hot topic. Yeah, right, it's a hot mm. topic, but then why are corporations so easily adapted to that? 
there are many reasons, and not all of them are straightforward. One of them being, you know, well, they're just trying to placate their customer base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then sometimes it hurts their underlying bottom line. So in other words, they're in line with something that they believe is actually for the future of society. So in a technocratic reality, the reason that there's this idea of assimilating other cultures and making them feel inclusive is not necessarily on the surface, it might feel like everyone is being included in a new level of human evolution. In reality, what's actually happening is centralization of power through technological means and a highly sophisticated information conditioning. Hmm. It's, a, it's, Ooh, a, it's a big one. Highly information, say it again, a highly information uh, like it's, conditioning. It's, yeah, I'm sorry, just kind of. No, no, I, I feel that and I want to <laughs> unpack that. The idea that these phones are, are phones, it's like the name of it is, is, uh, has been grandfathered into what it happens to also entail, which is, oh, hey, how's it going? But the, if we're to collect the hours of use, the actuality of the slab of glass is something that deserves its own name, such as a portable portal of some sorts. It's a supercomputer, man. And I mean, the augmented reality, it's happening in real time. And that's a real, real definite uh, stepping stone into uh, evolution. But And the kids don't know. They're just like, oh, okay, cool. Well, but they're yeah. carrying along with the trends, the trends of political opinion, again, and established thought. Mm. Okay, it's okay for artificial intelligence to run certain things. Why? You know, it, it assumed that it's more effective and more uh, intelligent and more capable of making those decisions. But, you know, going down again to the wire of what, why is there such an issue? What, what am I really talking about? Mm. I'm talking about a runaway society where the public is not fully involved. But if when they are involved, they're involved in divisive political action that is not productive or universally applied for everyone. And what is the most universally applicable principle? People should make their own choices. Mm. Follow with that is people should be able to keep their own property and the labor of their, you know, the, the fruits of their labor. But more than that, okay, so that is, applies to everyone. And the greatest discrimination is that there's a few selected individuals, whether policymakers or they might just be your average person with a billion dollar backing industry or whatever. These individuals have a lot of power and influence. It's not just, you know, free. Would you say like the, like the, the Amazons of the world? Well, there's a, there's a book again, and I've, I've talked about this in my articles and I've again. Where can we find that by the way, real quick? Uh, on the hive.io, look for the name Dungeon Master 93. That's my username. And that's Click where it. it's it. a flashback of all the stuff that I've talked about because it's like a long story. It's, it repeats itself. Does it say the years also? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. But essentially, you know, the reason that people are com uh, comfortable with these things is because they're geared to exploit certain psychology. You mm. know, you're mining dopamine. Right, magnifying it. Yeah. And yeah. distracting everything else. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, well, you know, it's... It's, it's so cool to look at that. We just open up the vortex and there's all this uh, sharing, wondering of thoughts. And, you know, that's that's really, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for your expressions of thought. It's it's made an impression on me in terms of the releasing of my own my own convictions to the point of just recognizing, look, I, I, what I thought I knew, I, I'd, I'd be I'd I'd rather let go of what I think I know. And. 
you know, I think that's where the spirit of just like, I I find myself residing within the realms of curiosity because I'm like, how did you get to such points of, 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 I guess, acknowledging, acknowledgement. Where that understanding came from? Yeah. Well, okay, to follow up with the point that I was making, there was a book called Superclass. David Rothkopf. It's a simple, straightforward book. Essentially, he's a sociologist, and he mingles with all these financiers, high-level industrial types, you know. And the idea is that they're, again, they're technocrats. They're the elite of society. They have a lot of influence. Mm. But the reason that they have so much power and magnanimity is because they're allied and partnered with government. And government creates winners out of losers. An allower. Yeah, in a political sense that is not universally applicable to all of us. You know, so this is related to, like, existential experience. This is related to dollar mechanisms. It's a real big story. So it's not just... Dollar mechanism? What's that? Uh, okay, so, again, everything's interconnected. If you would like to know more, go follow those articles. Okay. You know, and I'll... Follow it. Share your thoughts. I mean, especially if, it, if, especially if it resonates within you. It's like, what, is, what does that mean? What is that about? Uh, there's links below that, that can be followed into I'll your flows. I'll share, like, the most... In, in, like, the, the articles that I feel are more resounding. They might be a flashback, but they're actually pertinent. Okay, so if you live in a society that is controlled by, a, a, like, a centralized government or any society that has a government... Essentially, they also have a currency that is approved by the government. And okay, this seems bland and boring. It definitely is boring, but dollar in general controls our whole existence. Money, 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 money. Without it, you can't travel. It bears the potential of what's next. Yes. And okay, and why do people, again, unquestioned, not skeptical about the dollar system, the mechanisms behind it? Oh, because I need my food. I need to go right. to gas. I need to take my my kids to school. And, Survival mode. Yeah. I'm in the same stuff. I mean, I'm, yeah. in, I'm not like in my holy mountain over here. I'm actually existing in society. And I that's why I'm very, very, take it personal because it's, stealing my labor so it's a Mm. debt based society so in other words the money that is printed is creating more debt but this is a story that a lot of people who begin to know about politics they find out about that the money is not productive in that it's not helpful towards savings because it's no longer geared towards keeping people savings it's geared towards giving free money to the highest level of industry types because they believe that they're too big to fail. So in 2008, 2004, that was all a very, very important epoch. And especially the iPhones, the Apple, all that revolutionized. People got really glued into it. Do I remember people making lines, you know, standing out in lines? Right. I'm curious, those who are reaching into their 20s right now, you know, do they have that memory or were they in elementary school where it was perhaps not so much? Or maybe they do, or I don't know. I, yeah, I, I wonder. Phone probably too. They probably already, they were in line, you know, <laughs> as yeah. a kid, you know, like, oh, I feel the hype. They go with their dad or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you were saying. Yeah, okay. So th- that was a critical moment, not only for the emerging technologies, but also in that the government got more involved in the marketplace and was directing exactly what was going to happen. So the bailouts, the crash, Occupy Wall Street. I was there and I went and did my own thing. How old were you when you went? Shoot, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Uh, I think it was in 2008 or 2012, 18 to 21. Man, so it's like, imagine the 18-year-olds right now who, like, really want to, you know, like, seek out what's going on. And and perhaps there's a lot of uh, reception of a particular view. And if this is new to you, I'm curious what this means uh, in, in terms of, like, the like the just in the in the in the trying to make sense of how it all fits because ultimately information forms it just forms it's like it doesn't it's not supposed to be you know a you know uh doesn't supposed to re, it's not supposed to reside anywhere we're, we make sense of it and i'm curious what it means to them and and here you were then and in the middle occupy wall street and um before as we when we find that point i want to bring up you know what your thoughts were in observation. Now we look looking back at the game stunk situation, but before we yeah, get we're going into I want I want to ask that. I want to ask we're, that. It's gonna be a long one. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I hope you don't mind. No, but please. Anyway, so you've mm. got to go out there and explore your ideas. And then demonstrations, protests, activism. If you got to go see it for yourself, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just simply stating my own experience. So. Mm. Like, Occupy Wall Street and all that. It was based on a lot of anger in that people were losing their homes and the bankers or people who were operating in that marketplace speculating in the in the prices of homes, purchasing of homes just because they're going to resell it, repackage it. And there was a lot of debt contracts and obligations that were not met or fulfilled. Mm. In other words, a lot of people made a lot of risky bets, but they had political connections. Risky bets, does that mean uh, allowing people to buy homes that perhaps could not afford? That's one aspect, but it was, okay. in a way, it could have worked out in, I mean, I'm completely against government action because it's always counterproductive. It always hurts someone. You don't actually create things. You're taking from someone and giving to others, but it could have worked out better. But the way that they did it made it so it appeared, in my opinion, it's not a fact, mm. as predatory towards people of low income who are looking to purchase a home, but mm. because of their long traditional workplace situation or, you know, they're living in a bad economic region and because of mm. various political decisions. And, and once again, I don't know what the facts are, but yeah. I've, I've shared, I shared that observation. I don't know what to think of it. And I wonder if, if, uh, if that was a strategic move or it just happened to be out of happenstance and it happened to be a lot of them. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's a big story, and I'm just generalizing and just sharing yeah. some of the things that I've concluded. Circa 2008. Yeah. So, yeah. but and people were losing their home, and that was a big deal. But what, in fact, from my opinion, you know, what this is a fact, but I developed an opinion based on it. Right. The government was backing up the people who created all those bad risks, all mm. the people who created all that bad debt. Do, do we know who that is? Yes, like Michael Chertoff and different other individuals that are connected to the Federal Reserve. Uh, there's people who've been uh, politicians, senators, and uh, congressmen who were being almost coerced to vote for a $700 bailout. So we think about these stimulus and the like the recent $6 trillion development like infrastructure hmm. package from Biden. And it's just like, oh, just money. Well, Comes out of nowhere. That's As of right now, what's the status of that? That's gonna, it's going to happen, it, but it's the largest debt. It's, you think it's gonna, or is it being slowed down? It could, it could not, but I think it's the wave because if you uh -huh. okay, one thing after the other. Yeah. I just have to finish this one. Yeah, the reason, ahead. the reason that it's gonna happen is because of the quote propaganda. Built back better. They're not gonna let go of that. They're actually gonna do it. But that's okay. We're going down. But it sounds so good, though. Of course, and it sounds like every other governmental body in 
sudden unison are using oh, yeah. the same phraseology and they're pushing the same ideas. It just so happens by coincidence, of course. It's a very pertinent question to ask, how do we build back better? To build back better or whatever. We have a chance to reset the clock and build back better than before. To build back better than before. As we try to build back from this uh, global pandemic. Joe Biden calls it build back better. Build back better. Building back better. To build back better. Build it back better. Build it back better. In my plan to build back better. Uh, start taking all the problems that have been created in right. education and mental health and start to, to build back in a positive way. I have launched a booklet called Build Back Better, written after coronavirus. And reset the ways in which we live. The great opportunity for reset. The theory even calls Mr. Biden's campaign slogan, Build Back Better, a front for the conspiracy. Build back better. All elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. It's a big effort to, some would say, to build back, back better. We would say to really have a great reset. Conspiracy, conspiracy. Conspiracy. Anyways, okay, going back, because this is a what first step. A first step over here on the, okay, mm. so why would people not be able to question the money, the supply? Why does it have anything to do with their personal life? Again, we went to the survival state, and then we went to the collusion of government and people who make a lot of money based on taking a lot of risks, but because of their political connections, mm. They lose. Okay, so what happened in the GameStop stonks, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there was definitely a squeeze. You know, just to exemplify what this means. So uh -huh. the Wall Street stock market is definitely rigged. And the more money that is supplied by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury creates this illusion of prosperity. In a moment where there's all this free, quote-unquote, cash, free cash. Mm. But free access to money to corporations that they can kind of manipulate or change their books to make it seem like there's the, the underlying fundamentals of their business is productive. So if you buy your own stocks, it makes it look like there's a lot of interest in it, even though uh, you're not gotcha. producing anything. So when you have a lot of people buying doing something, that, yeah, it, it looks seems like it's going up in value. And, but some people have an ideological basis to their trading. So so the game stonks was also the follow-up and again logical consequence of an occupied wall street generation because think about it people got effed up and they didn't get bailed out no they had to bail out the corporations that was the biggest issue with occupy that people never were able to bail themselves out now the government is paying people not to revolt not to go out there and go crazy they're paying them with money and they're sitting at home and their computers researching and being plugged into the Robin Hood app, which mm -hmm. is like the design is like one way or the other. It plugs you in. Yeah. You're looking at it green. Keeps you, it keeps you going, especially Egg. when Doge was going, but that's before yeah. go, before yeah. we go there. Launch. <gasps> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, what, what would, <laughs> uh, Doggy. What, <laughs> what, what, what do you think? Uh, what was the win out of uh, into I don't know if we wrapped up the previous point before Game Stunks. I don't know if you want to catch that, uh, but I think you do. You're, you're sharing the how the momentum from the from the 2008 crash 
uh, Wall Street movement. That momentum, it dispersed, it washed off, but there's still ripples yeah, from resentment. it. Yeah, resentment. Yeah, that ripple. And, and now it, there's a, a, an opportunity came through coordination, through communication on the Internet uh, to create that similar effect, which was very cool to see from the right before GameStonks uh, situation. Uh, there was a constant theme of divide amongst consistent individuals. And when this occurred, there was a unifying uh, resonance that was that had not been seen, in my in my opinion, maybe ever. And it was really cool to to recognize. I'm curious, what's your opinion on on how it unraveled from then? Well, I mean, one thing that not get questioned is again with this boring topic, money supply dollars how does it work how does money what is money so occupy wall street did a lot of cool stuff to make public awareness of the inequality but they didn't get to the root cause of it sorry yeah. <laughs> the southern friggin yeah, yeah, yeah. the root welcome the root, to texas yeah <laughs> the root cause of it the root cause of it they didn't analyze it because they only went so far in that they demanded more government action now we have a lot of government action and intervention in the marketplace and then just in general they are intervening a lot and they're supplying a lot of cheap money to people that are in that state of mind that they want to get out of it they want to make it they want to get rich and get out of their wage cage because otherwise mm. everybody's working well not anymore but we'll get to that yeah. uh, everybody was working a really bad job and didn't go anywhere and so now they got that money and they're looking at hey this one company that really meant something for me GameStop is being totally de destroyed by market riggers by people who know how to manipulate and destroy a company what are your thoughts on in its justification in that it was a dying company anyway? Exactly. That there's room for that. That's what the market's supposed to be. The mm -hmm. market allows for people to make all types of bets and that people should be okay with making those bets as long as they have the responsibility connected to what those bets are. So yes, there is even though I have a different view on it, there is a reason why people short stocks. And it actually could be effective. And it could be a beneficial thing that it frees up resources from that company to another company. Once it gets liquidated, it could mm. be completely revamped. Mm. That's cool. That's great. But the way that actually with the market, the place, way it happened, yeah, the way it has happened. And now it just seems like it's just vultures trying to squeeze value out of anything that they can. And that's why there's just so much, I guess, big corporations essentially aggrandizing their bottom line because they're buying everything up. Could it be possible that it, as much as it, it, it could certainly be the, we're going to chew up this, this company, uh, maybe it was also the, the nature of the market and it was on the way, but people saw the opportunity from the memory of 2008. Exactly. And it was like, oh, you're doing your nor normal uh, shorting that is part of the nature of the stock. And you know what? GameStock, hey, uh, you know, it, you served your time, but we're going to use it for one more service. We're going to take out these guys. Zoom. And then would you say that yeah. it became an opportunity? But the whole missed point again. Right. Is that that was an awesome opportunity for some people, and but people don't fully understand market fundamentals or how yeah. to get out. It of was the market. chance. It was it was a critical opportunity, and it, if you were ready for it, you could have made a lot of money, and you probably did make a lot of money if you were there before a whole storm. But I'm saying, yeah. 
I think about it where what is the underpinning of the banks? What is keeping them in solvent way? So this is a random question, obviously, okay. but it's connected because in the past I was advocating a global insurrection against banker occupation. Basically, Ooh. you buy up silver or other alternative currencies and you dump the dollar so that you can critically at the root cause of all of this inequality and all this warfare and all that, you are actually divorcing yourself from it. But with the game stocks, that was just them accumulating more fiat dollars. But right. the, the great play... Because they play, they depend on it. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's all they know. And that's all their existence knows. That, that That's and, their And matrix. the bankers was their game. That's yeah. their game too. And that, of course, it doesn't hurt them. They yeah. can continue doing that because they have free, cheap credit that the government directly gives them because they believe without them, we we'll, won't be able to figure out our own situation. But, okay, mm -hmm. if... The popular narrative have developed into being buying silver or other precious metals like that or crypto. It would be so destabilizing. But why? Why wouldn't why would it be destabilizing? Because a lot of the bets and leveraging that the banks have done, they essentially are lying on the books. And there's I'm not enough expert on this. There's many people who have discussed this and are qualified to discuss this. Mm. So take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Take it with a grain of salt. Essentially, you know, keeping it together is the manipulation of the precious metals market. Mm. If the dollar seemingly has a ratio to silver, gold, palladium, and other precious metals that is seemingly stable and not volatile, it means that the market is generally good, that inflation is not out of order. Now, Janet Yellen, before she would say that Who's we're that? facing it. Oh, she's the current Federal Reserve chairperson. You know, she's. Is that the one that in 2012, it was uh, that bald guy, what's his name? Uh, Bernanke? Well, they have a, uh, a leading chair and they get selected by the Treasury and so they get voted on. So, would you say that on. same spot at that time? I don't remember her, but okay, she okay. probably had some, she has, these people have a long career. Okay, okay. They are, they're always part of their field is doing that. Yeah, okay, cool. But so essentially, if you look at the news, essentially she's saying that we're expecting a lot of inflation. And there's always a way to sort of hype inflation. What is inflation when you're purchasing power? Again, I mentioned this, purchasing power of the consumer. And I mentioned it as, as earlier, I was talking about business intelligence and how big corporations who are using database mining are trying to reduce the choices of the consumer and keep them perpetually in their own spheres to remove their purchasing power. Hmm. So in other words, if you're gonna shop at Walmart, they expect you to shop at Walmart all the time. And that's how they want gotcha. you. Gotcha, keep the currency. Right, right. Keep the business. Keep it going. Okay, so with the currencies, like they want you to use dollars and keep it like that all the time. Mm. So you can't. You can't remove the currencies. It takes you. You're a ghost to the dollar. You're essentially not powering it up with your or your attention. Labor. Yeah, with your time and energy. Hmm. So, why do you think Bitcoin is such a like a presence in today's conversation? Well, because it's necessary. It's inevitable. Like, Things like this occur because they need to. Again, we've mentioned this. How are people going to change? Well, there are certain situations, certain challenges, and this creates a need, but it doesn't really create like a lack of, but it creates a need for opportunity, for inventions, for entrepreneurial action. So, I mean, I've been in Bitcoin for a long time, So, but my disappointment- What got you into it? 
essentially the very same issue that we just talked about. How can I change my life? How can I liberate myself? How can I actually be myself without having to participate in the wage cage? You know, how can I get paid for being a journalist? Why do I have to go to some indoctrinating institution to tell me how to ask questions? And, and you hear, clock in so you can get paid to do yeah. that and do journalism. Yeah, have approved conclusions and opinions. I mean, people who worked, and I know because I used to be you know, participating as an independent journalist and in Laredo, Texas, you know, there was younger people or around people the same age as me, and they worked only as someone who did a specific job for a paycheck, and they weren't able to have creative, creative freedom or be able to publish what they want because it's all a franchise. It's all a top-down, hierarchical organization. You're just there to toe the line. Mm. So how do I break free of that? How can I continue being myself without just giving up my own authority and self-respect and all that. And then mm. that's so, why. So do you remember that first time you ran across the word, like, Bitcoin? Like, oh, what's that about? Like, yeah, I what do. What was your intro? Uh, I used to participate in a lot of libertarian agorist uh, conferences. What's agorist? Agorist is a tactic. It's not necessarily a philosophy, but the tactic is essentially that we live, it's the realization that we all live in a society that is up, like upside down. Government is actually stealing from us. It's actually coercing us with violence. And agorism is a tactic of living free despite all the obstacles that are imposed upon us. So an agorist action, what would it be like? It's typically peaceful, mutually beneficial, and it produces value. So it could be you start in a garden, or it could be you not uh, holding any judgment or reservation on particularly voluntary action. So if someone is giving you a, a good or an item and you consent to them, you are respecting that you know what you're getting yourself into, you're responsible for it, and no one should be in the middle of that transaction. There should not be a person taking your well-earned money. Right, is that where someone might say, well, and I, I know we're talking about this uh, on, on the way here, uh, is this where someone would say, well, how else are we going to get highways? How else are we going to get ambulances and, and all the, the things that are made available mm -hmm. from coercion? It doesn't feel like coercion. Uh, is that where someone might say something along those lines? And yeah, I hear it all the time, and I hear all these different explanations and angles. And something that I, like, I just mm -hmm. break down and say, we do, and we have it. It's based on human action, and it's based on common sense. And people participate and collaborate together. That does not yeah. mean that that is a principally responsible by government, that a government action created Which is it. confusing to me, because it's like, like... See, that, there we yeah. go. We yeah. actually separate human society from coercion and government action. You start realizing, no, 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 this is already functioning. It's just that somebody's getting in the way of it. And in between that consensual transaction uh -huh. and contract, somebody's getting in the between of that, and they're actually exacerbating the situation. They're making it a little bit worse. Okay? So it doesn't mean we can't have highways. It just means that we can actually have better, more effective, m more adapting and progressive uh, ways of living. And I don't mean progressive as everything and anything goes. It just means that society's gearing up towards a more positive... Where it could be merited that things are more efficient. They're getting better. 
and not just efficient, better, but I'm saying in quality of life, respect for human property, respect for just the essence of being and not uh, riots, burning down and poverty and anything but that all that yeah yeah because this is a typical thing this happens all the time when there is an economic collapse or crisis people lose their senses they stop caring so they start selling themselves is that why do you think that's why there's a rise in in well i'm curious what what are your thoughts and observations in the rise of the normality of looting I, you know I, I you know there's so much footage of you know, police cars being jumped on and, yeah. and, uh, and celebrated. And it, to me, it's almost, it's awkward to see how there's even like almost everyone that's jumping on the cop car. And like, I have, I see them with their phones and they're like, Hey, look yeah. at me jumping on the car. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious. Uh, how, what are your thoughts on that? As, as, like, has it become more present today? Has it just always been and the internet just highlights it? Or then maybe it's becoming more present and the internet just magnifying it? Well, uh, you know, that skit from George Carlin talking about, we love war, we like it, we're good at it. You know, <laughs> American society is a warlike, mythological society. And I mean, criminality has been present for a long time. It's in the cinemas. I mean, film... Uh, specifically, there it details a lot of criminality and just in general how it's organized. It could be the Italians, it could be different ethnic groups. It doesn't mafias. necessarily have yeah mafias. Every that's the problem in general. It's that people are tribal and they want to do negative action and they want to take shortcuts and they want to hurt others and coerce them. So mafias are just like governments. It's just that government is more successful in centralizing and monopolizing power. Mm. Okay, so talking about that, it's like, I know a lot of, some I'm gonna people- I'm gonna pull up a poem, by the way, you made me think about, sure. but keep going. As some people might find it an issue that I might be attacking the way that they believe uh, life is functioning and everything's fine. But I think in general, if we allow ourselves to be unchecked, our mindset can create really unintended consequences. Even if it's well-intended? Even if it's well-intended. Exactly. Even much more so, we should be skeptical of our well-intentioned ideas because those can actually hurt people even more because they believe that it's good for them and they don't know when to stop or when to let go of those beliefs. And, you know, I'm not anti-science. I'm not anti-government. I'm anti or anti-religion. <clears throat> government, if you want it, go ahead and have it. But don't push it on me. You should consent to it and abide to it. If I personally don't want to consent and choose doing so, you should be able to respectfully, you know, be able to distance yourself or do as you like without having to be coerced. Right. So, yeah. I do mean, you think it's an element of... I think is, is the, what I want to ask is I think captured in this question that I I call how evident, and I thought I would read it to you, and I'm curious what comes to mind for you. Okay. How evident has it become? Messages delineating as we succumb into tribal signaling of fortifications, newfound realms of virtual propagations. What comes to mind? 
tribalism like we were talking about, the conflict. Everybody's in their own zone. And it's with uh, the virtual reality, augmented reality, people will be literally be living in their own reality. And, you know, with the online boards, people are not allowed to say what they like. And even if they're being funny or just being mean or whatever, it doesn't matter. It, it's important to have an open discussion. But I think it's now more available just to remove to stick, yourself. To stick into that lane. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with what I was saying, I mean, it's I'm not trying to destroy people. I'm not trying to challenge them or ask them to believe what I am believing or thinking. Because it's asking a lot from someone who you don't know to completely change the yeah. way of their life. And especially knowing the process, because it's not just you take a pill and your whole life changes. Mm. No, it could actively change your life in a completely different path. And that's why some of these ideas, while they're very attractive, mm -hmm. they are very risky. And so, I mean, what do you feel in your heart is true? I mean, what does that mean to you? The poem? What, yeah, what comes to mind for me is like I'm reminded by like circa 2015 when the orange man when he was stepping into the ring i remember thinking that must be a joke like this must be a joke and when it was becoming clear like oh leading leading the charge to be i remember thinking this is this i hope i hope he just gets i hope he's pretending and he just gives it to the other guy and and then when it became the two options you know uh the the senorita clinton y, y el los trompitas And, uh, you know, uh, I think this was an era where the Internet was a lot more Wild West and certainly was not as regulated. And uh, uh, there was no sense of authority. It was more like whatever people are watching at, at, at large is what was uh, accessible. And what was accessible to me was how much there was a uh, it, there was a clear uh, smearing attempt to to defame this man and clearly trying to defend this woman I was like to me I started to think that I was supporting the guy to the point where I thought I supported the guy fully and then I remember by the way your memes are the funniest memes I see <laughs> and I remember you would make acknowledgments of of especially him and I remember thinking Why am I even thinking that I, I support this guy? I, and I started recognizing, you know, that, that I was succumbing to the, the, the tribal signaling ch uh, trend that has become, especially now in 2020 and <clears throat> 2021, uh, that that's the, it's almost like when you step out the door and you see anybody at the gas station, there's that wonder mutual wondering like where are we in terms of you know uh that delineation of tribe to the point where i've just come to the point where i see this more i see it more as like a role play virtually and yeah, that, yeah. that's playing out and yeah. whenever we think we're supporting somebody or uh trying to not, i'm gonna not support that person by supporting this person it's a lot of larping yeah Yeah, 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 it's what it is, man. Yeah, yeah I'll be at the gas station. Somebody's with a truck and a big Trump flag. It makes them feel good. Yeah, they're doing something. You mm -hmm. know, it's yeah. like uh, the QN and uh, conspiracy type. It's like mm -hmm. Pokemon Go for you know the political Ooh. right. 
you know, because you are tasting. That's good. You know, but <laughs> and there's real connections to these. These are. I did see. I did see friends who were totally into that. I remember thinking like. Uh, are you okay? <laughs> but you know, but it was because there's 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 a consistency underneath that of of a sort of seeking, uh, of a sort of meaning. Yeah. And you know, and I remember watching the the Q stuff, and I remember thinking, you know, I also see the other stuff, but it's being magnified by the Q stuff, and and I see it also with, uh, I heard someone say the blue stuff, and which is the opposite of Q. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Some of these things are not very exciting, and some of them are much more. The devil, the devil is in the details, and it's easier to sell a story or a myth, mm. and you know the way that the media market or just the information of today how it functions. It's very different because it actually yeah. you're uploading a certain idea, and that augments or mixes your reality with something, and you can interact with it virtually, and that's the whole nexus of this where it's you know technology spirituality individuality information all of that interconnected into a silicon based you know system and mm. it's you know it's not just silicon but it's yeah. you know what i mean the the where it's coming from in terms of the the uh those who create the the allowance for technology yeah I, yeah it's a different system and it's reflecting our own neuroticism and our own infighting. And even though the current web is being controlled and regulated, people are still uploading or finding new ways to create the web 3.0 that is going to be more decentralized. So What's that? Decentralization of the net is important, and it's going to be functioning through blockchains that are interoperative. I'm going to be honest with you. This is I've I've only heard of that the, the a becoming of blockchain and this and that. To me, mm -hmm. they're abstract uh, um pointing at the at a sort of light of hope in terms of um you know of i guess away from the authoritative uh uh dictates of what one can say or must not say uh and an allowance to for for people to make up their own minds without being succumb to you know here's the influx of what needs to be seen first and likely through the law of numbers whatever seen first is digested and owned and recruited yeah what a lot of it? it is controlled man so what what do you predict what i'm just curious uh from your eye many things many things are gonna be different but it's not like i'm just making it up it's like uh, more the discussions of people who are in the forefront of developing these things so where would you say that the realm of that is still in the developmental stage, like the in way a, well, it's still very early. To like Internet two thousand eight. It's something like that. It's very early to say. I mean, if you talk to if you talk to anyone, and you mention Bitcoin or you mention Doggy Dodge, whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> to me. Arf. Yeah, they believe it's more of a scheme to continue on creating more dollars, but they don't understand that it's that is just one use case, meaning the value proposition of a Bitcoin is only one use case. Uh, there's third generation cryptocurrency. And OK, I, it sounds very abstract, but the point of blockchain is to have utility and be implemented in a wide range of nodes or users or and it's supposed to create a solution 
mm-hmm. it's supposed to just be something that people appreciate know can rely it but the most important part of something like bitcoin bitcoin cash is another one there are many different ones but essentially the theme is that it's your money it's uncensorable money meaning there's no middleman or authority figure is going to take it away from you it's only you who can give it away and so it's like you're a bank yeah yeah and then okay and then if you look at what is currently being developed is decentralized autonomous organizations where there's going to be it's a difficult way of looking at it but essentially it's going to have an autonomous government where people inclusively get into it anyone can do it as long as they participate in the network and they purchase or they transact or they're through the portals yeah, the protos or wearable technology, or it's going to be a real mm. different ball game, and the internet is not going to be like people believe it's going to be, because just like the way we got here is not something that anyone would believe yeah. it would be. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be more of the internet being a virtual reality portal where telephones, cell phones, and computers—they're just going to be a relic of the past, and it's wearable technology and just artificial intelligence, but. It's not just one artificial intelligence. You can actually create a decentralized, more human-centered intelligence that can be more inclusive, universal, and productive. So these things are just being talked about. And right now, the discussion is Bitcoin and different uh, currencies. But Hmm. what is going to happen in the couple months, and it's something that I'm actually very, very critical of, is people are going to be demanding government action and regulation. So uh, there's a lot of manipulation in the in the cryptocurrency markets. It's easy to do if you really want to, but it doesn't mean that the market is going to go just like however people want to. There's manipulation in all markets, but the important here is that this nascent market is centered on trying to create a better world. But then there are those who don't necessarily have those ideals. Mm. They just want to personally aggrandize themselves or create their own successful business that is just exclusively for their own ends. It's like they're not thinking about the freedom aspect. They're thinking about like, well, hey, I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to make some, I want to make a business. I want to make myself a, a living through, like, would you say along those lines? I mean, entrepreneurial action is important, but there are some types of developers that are working for the government and trying to hijack you know, oh, the movement. Uh, yeah, it, or yeah, exactly. Or how do they do it? Well, uh, recently the IRS has talked about targeting people on social. They've talked about this for years, uh, targeting people on social media for their lack of tax honesty. You know, if you're declaring that you have cryptocurrency on social media and you have a large amount of money, IRS will target you, and they spend a good amount of money targeting people. And Ooh. there's coders, developers that are working for government and trying to sort of decrypt all these encrypted all these cryptocurrency uh, algorithms that makes them less private so hmm. you know so there's all these different use cases and the reason that i mentioned this is because it's going to be the perpetual struggle these couple of years it's going to be more economic downturn the government is going to continue printing more money trillions of dollars coming to you soon yeah and it's and you know we talk about shortages you know 
there's there was the fuel shortages, toilet paper shortages, coin shortages, breathalyzer shortages. All these in, all these in, different in Texas water shortages. Water shortages. Uh, yes, I was following snow, that. Snow apocalypse, which is yeah. quite fun. Yeah, but it, I hope in the underlying positive sense, let's talk some positive stuff. <laughs> if, if people actually prepared and paid attention to it and learned through experience again mm -hmm. that need of learning through experience and applying it well one thing's for sure there's been uh i saw a meme where it's a uh, it's like some dude with his hair all blasted to it like blasted like he was outside of the car and it was like is anyone else overwhelmed by all these uh uh no no uh by these uh f uh by all, all these historical events after another after another or something like that i'm butchering it but uh, I'll, i'll put it up there when i find it Um, and yeah, I, you know, what an opportunity to, to review what the heck has happened <laughs> and what is important in life. Yeah. I mean, uh, bottom I, line. Yeah. Bottom line. What's important. The lockdown has created an opportunity for a lot of people to, to see that, yeah. that there could be reach from the distant, uh, afar or that they don't need all this other stuff like do we really need like hundreds of thousands of uh, starbucks do we really need hundreds of thousands of, yeah i know it's convenient i do it my t myself i love going to all these different places and just you know getting something it's convenient. Great. yeah but what if it actually is a counterproductive and it's just expensive and not necessarily good for all of us and it doesn't mean that you have to force people to change their ways but with this lockdown bottom line i think they realized that maybe working a meaningless job is not necessarily what they want to do mm -hmm. maybe being in a relationship that is baseless that mm -hmm. has no real connection is not a good thing to do and maybe keeping up with people and cherishing those who you love is actually mm. more important checking on that neighbor yeah yeah trying to help, help each other out and keep people together you start realizing you miss you know hugging you miss hanging out with people you miss sharing the same space especially the absence of it yeah well, because of the absence yeah of, it. of course and i mean for me this has been a critical opportunity because i don't have to expose it i don't have to con continuously write articles and be like this and that and the other It exposes itself, and I've done several uh, attempts to do that and help people see it for themselves. Now I'm more interested in like, all right, if you've seen it for yourself and you got eyes that can see and a heart that really believes in yourself, there's opportunities in this whole dark adversity. You know, even though the economy is collapsing and going down, more inflation, things are going to be more expensive, more war, and all that. Doesn't mean we have to participate. It means that we can get divorced from this established beast system and encourage ourselves to build ourselves from the ground up the reason i call it a beast system is because the debt dollar system the way that the economy is connected with war profiteering and you know exclusionary actions of other economies is essentially controlling other countries mm. so that they don't outcompete us or you know opening up is that happening it, it happens it happens in different ways but it's like um Take, for example, just subsidizing a, uh, a certain country to maintain the regime or, ma or maintain the level of the same government. There's been riots in Guatemala, Honduras, and different places where their government is supported by the United States and they are giving them weapons of war because of the, drug, the war on drugs, right? And if, they, if a society and an economy or a country and they... They want it for themselves to participate in several market actions. 
Is that the excuse to be there, the drug wars? Yeah, one of them. Actually, it's a very important excuse because it's uh, if you go down to it, if you research it, it's the government and the banks who stand to benefit the most from keeping the war on drug alive because there has to be... It, that's what it, essentially the banks... And this is an article from 2007, 2006. It speaks about Wells Fargo and other banks that launder money for the cartels. They reasonably do it. It's not, it's not very straightforward, but they have their own bottom line to think about. They have shortcomings on their books, so they use long, uh, dirty money to sort of ta- like cover it up and camouflage it and make it seem like they're actively processing transactions and have a lot of cash on hand. So these things happen and they corruption builds on top Ooh. of each other. But the reason why I say like they're the government of any country tries to control by coercion is a bad idea. It's, like Colombia. Yeah. Well, and Colombia was, is supported by the United States, and it's a narco state, and the military is participating in that, of course. What do you think of the, what, what, what was recently unveiling, I think, was it early May, uh, where I, I just couldn't help but to be shocked by footage of, of police or military, I don't know, literally shooting into uh, crowds of, I guess, people. and. Yeah. What what are your thoughts on? Is that like all along those lines, or is yeah, that a separate yeah. event? No, those are along those lines. I mean, the helicopters that are used by the police are given to the by the government of the United States, the DAA. So you know, these things occur, and they there's a reason that they continue to occur, and people just sort of want to decide for themselves what they want to do. Hmm. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Right. Well, you know that that brings me to the question I want uh, that came flow through me this morning that I wanted to ask you, uh, there are a series of three questions and okay. I'll just ring them. I'm curious what comes to mind. How do you think, or rather, what is your observation on how effectively our peoples have been recruited into tribal factions? How may we realize how incredibly effective this occurred and is occurring. And lastly, and why, in your opinion, do you think and feel such observation has been so effective? It's a lot of thoughts right there. I think it's a uh, man. It took a while, but uh, it, the righteous anger and indignation that we experience in the actions of others makes us believe that we have the right to tell others what to do and what should not be done and if getting people involved in political committees and governmental bodies to push your personal projection of what a better world is is a well-intentioned idea but is that counterproductive and creates more division because people want to choose for themselves and how may we see it right yes how do we see it well in the lack of productivity the lack of happiness the lack that's why a lot of people are they're feeling angry and why they're having a lot of mental disorders because society is geared to supplanting their authentic choice and their power as individuals because it relies on them staying comfortable consumers and going along with the consensus. If you step out of line, then you're creating a problem which creates 
the need to deal with that problem and the best way for the government types or for people who support this established authority is to do it with violence, do it with threats, do it with force. Those are the reasons why we're like in such a tribal state because we haven't actually resolved our own personal conflicts. That's what my writing deals with. Mm. How to deal with your own personal conflict. It, you know, I don't label myself anymore. I don't say I'm in this group and the other group. You know, I've participated in different political discussions with many different groups, you know, different ranges of opinions. Ideally, I want to say that we can build a consensus and we can create a better world, but we shouldn't tell what other people should do and not do. We should do something about it in our own personal life and work towards that future. Yeah. You know, instead of hoping someone comes or we should get all these people together and all this other stuff. What, 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 it, what would be your response, especially with the thought alignment of, well, there is, until, until there's no racism or because there's racism, we're not going to stop uh, fighting. Or, you know, that, that expression of, you know, racism is bad. And, you know, who's, in my opinion, I don't think there's some, I don't think that's something to disagree with. And I think, but uh, in my opinion, I wonder, or rather my wonder is that, is it still leading, is it leading to solutions? Is it leading to more divide? How can we find towards the union and, um, and, and a sense of peace from within, and especially with such pursuit, without the need for the allowance for that anger to uh, be allowed to unleash? There were a lot of opportunities to have an open conversation. Both sides didn't want to do that. They wanted to just, buy, they just wanted to cherry pick and disrespect each other and not listen to each other. Both sides being, you know, the political spectrum of the United States, you know, they and other countries as well. But in general, they let the world and be Americana culture. You know, people look to us in the past, like, oh, these what the Americans are doing. Oh, we love these American movies, right? But these critical ideas of, you know, cultural Marxism, some people call it, but it's just in general, the critical theory of looking at society in a different way. Mm. There's some philosophical uh, foundation to it, but it's been completely a cartoon. It's been changed into a cartoon. It's, it's not necessarily as inclusive as it sells itself because uh, to always be fighting endlessly, it seems that there is a threat in every person that you can't fully trust them unless they have verifiable opinions Verifiable. that you could say they think like me, they're like me. They're, that is not inclusion. You're not allowing for other May people's. that be the defining indication of concern? Well, that's how people get alarmed. Say, what do you mean you don't trust this? What do you mean you don't want to go along with this? You know, and to debate every detail, I'm not here to tell people, hey, don't do this, don't do that. I'm not here to change it. I'm just saying, I've seen all these different types of people try to change each other. They don't want to change themselves. They are comfortable in what they want to conflict with others. They're comfortable with a conflict. That's the main issue here. Hmm. They, They want to keep fighting because it makes them feel good. 
it makes them feel like there's even if some people are I've talked about this with other individuals and from different races, I suppose. And, you know, in North Carolina, the African-American community is very they feel very sensitive about that topic because there's a history of slavery. Some people refer to their grandparents or great grandparents as suffering, you know, from those types of uh, exclusionary Acts. Experiences. Yeah, yeah, exclusionary experiences where it's they either deal with racism or not. But then what I find amazing is that there is an industry that profits in keeping this division going on. So Ooh, what do you mean? Okay, so there is an industry in keeping uh, I don't like to be crass about it, but there's individuals in every group that use the camouflage of their group identity to sell their books, to sell their ideas, to keep people in line based on race because it's the most common denominator. It brings in more people. And is there racism in society? Have I experienced racism? Yes, of course. And I think that general people, that's one universal aspect. I don't call it racism in general. I call it tribalism because it's a universal mm. aspect of humanity where a, a community sees itself as something and it's an identity and they want to keep it as such. Mm. And they exclude others. They judge them and they say they're not like us. That, that happens. And you're not going to eliminate that. Yeah. Even if you condition the language, which is the reason why a lot of pronouns, a lot of words are excluded or uh, underlined as important because they're trying to, they, meaning individuals that are prominent in society and are have the backing of governmental authorities and the government and corporations, so all of us, you know, see how this works out like that. Ooh. It's not necessarily just some random people doing random things. For and then some, we need to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, there's a general consensus of critical race theory that is being supported by governments, banks, and corporations, which were the same entities creating all this division and inequality that are keeping us in this state of race. Idea. Paradigm. Yeah. yeah, the race paradigm. But it, when it comes to the boring stuff that we can all look into, like the currency or, you know, self-ownership, uh, the free market. Color, which is colorblind. It was just colorblind. And, you know, it offers universal opportunity. It, does, it doesn't mean that the left or the right don't have a free market. There's so much... A, conflation there's so much like lack of understanding what the free market is capitalism is a system of capital you know communism is based on keeping a commune together and usually individuals mm -hmm. have to participate in the demands and prioritizations of the community the political bureau decides what people you know based on the representatives what they want to do what they want to do and if they agree with it and stuff. I mean, these things are functional and they can continue to exist but on their own. But it's not sexy. Exactly. But, but the thing about it is I call it a free market because the free market of ideas allows for all these different types of societies with different regulations and laws and governmental bodies. To be processed in sight. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to participate in that, that's going to be great. But if I don't want to, I don't want to be forced to it. That's what's so important about the next step of the internet and just the open source blockchain and cryptocurrency is that you're actually going to be able to divorce yourself from all these cultural norms and expectations that are based institutions. on yeah that are based on keeping the institutions in power hmm. and then you can choose for yourself 
all right, you know what? I will be able to upload my realtor license with this blockchain and it will be verifiable and I can participate in virtual uh, realty or physical realty where I'll be able to sell and transact and exchange the value of property and the deed of like that is verifiably owned by a person on a blockchain. Oh, well, what's happening in Africa here? It's an important topic here. Well, Africa, mm. Ethiopia, Ooh. the country in Ethiopia, Africans love the free market. That's one thing that doesn't get talked about enough. They love the free market because it gives them Specific more opportunity. Specific Africans or? Different countries have a very entrepreneurial culture like Ethiopia, Nigeria, other countries of that sort. Okay, South Africa and different places. It, there's just this idea. There's different. Africa is a large continent, but from the interactions and experiences that I've had with individuals originating from that world, they tell me that they're you know they're really into creating themselves, building themselves up. They have a different mentality. They're ready for the next step of human evolution. Is what I'm saying. Mm. So with the latest news, okay, with what I, my current investment, what I really focus on, uh, Cardano. So how does this... I keep seeing you talking about that. Yeah. So what I'm talking about, I'm trying to apply it to real world use case. So it's not just a bunch of money that is internet money and you play it with a casino. It's more than that. And the point of I'm, I'm making is Cardano is offering an, a digital infrastructure to Ethiopia, a country like with millions of people that have a problem with keeping the legitimacy of their documents, their identity is not able to be verified. They don't have access to these things. And us first world people, we take these things for granted. And we look at currency or cryptocurrency as just a game, which is fine. We shouldn't take all these things seriously. But it's a real life-changing opportunity for Ethiopians who are being onboarded to the Cardano blockchain. What does it mean? So. Imagine that you're un unable to verify who you are because your license is supposedly fake. No one knows if it could be verified. You can't go to the bank. You can't go to mm. your local clinic. You can't go to all this stuff because you don't have the ID. So that's a problem that is being solved without government. It's being solved by individuals, scientists, uh, engineers, entrepreneurs, investors, all these different in individuals participating mm. in this ecosystem. That, and like other cryptos and other communities, they're rebuilding back better in a real organic individual effort in a community-driven effort from the ground up. And I wanted like bu building back even better. There you go, I was like, I saw what you did there. Yeah, even better. Because the government is already creating their own cryptos. But that's, again, the challenge, the perpetual struggle, what I see. And all this stuff that I'm talking about is like, oh, how can anyone predict this? This was talked in the Bitcoin conference in 2012, one of the first Bitcoin conferences I attended in Austin. Mm. Now, they were talking about this time being a time of regulation, time of like growing adoption. So... The reason it's important, again, is because it's going to create opportunity for people who, millions of people who didn't create, didn't have access to it. Mm -hmm. The banks, the world banks, the powerful ones, it's too expensive for them to help out other countries that don't have banks or have institutional support. And, you know, and as you, I want, I want, I know that there's another point that you wanted to add that to that. I wanted to add a layer of, yeah. and that that's not even considering the element of uh, 
like the 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 current debate whether the 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 thing that became normal on our face face socks uh you know the origins as to how that became normal uh i noticed that that's becoming a current conversation as of now whether you know i remember last year it was something if you brought it up you know your conspiracy theorists and now it's actually now confirmed by the president and it's like let's double down although it might be rhetoric or it might be let's actually take a look bottom line acknowledgement of let's take a look at where it came from and uh in the middle of all of that 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 you're mentioning i'm wondering what your thoughts uh are on that unfolding with is it true is it not true in your opinion is it something that you know uh you know I'm curious what comes to mind. Oh, what do you mean? Or how do you, what's the question? Uh, the question is uh, in, within the element of cr- cryptocurrencies and uh, the, uh, the, the newfound opportunities that people are finding in independence uh, and without the, the instit- uh, especially from the institutional chokehold or stronghold rather, that's a good word, stronghold in what one can or cannot say, uh, because that's what you're referencing to, right? Uh, if Correct me if I'm saying it wrong. Uh, with what the allowance of cryptocurrencies such as Cardano, I think. Yeah. Uh, or the blockchain, or yeah. what's it, the same thing? It's the same. Uh, uh, what that's allowing for people, is, in particular in Africa, uh, like immediately I'm reminded by like, you know, what is this whole, you know, there, there's more Chinese presence in, in Africa and all of a sudden, you know, within hearing that before, before that being something that I heard, just me, um, you know, suddenly what happened was the pandemic and then the contentious topic of, you know, did it start, was it an accident? Was it, you uh, know, you know, that kind of thing, you know, like I'm wondering how that plays in people's freedom to, I guess, like y'all want to fight, I'm going to. I'm going to be over here kind of thing. I don't know. I see what you mean. Yeah, well, yeah. it totally changed things and it exact well, it onboarded the infrastructure of surveillance to a larger extent mm. because artificial intelligence was going is analyzing people's body behavior, body temperature, locations, locations, political opinions, and so that's centralized and is based on the current controlled internet. And so imagine if you had a social credit score based on your Facebook postings and all the mm-hmm. surveillance that they have of you, and the government is giving you digital money and has found out that you have these controversial, radical, extremist opinions, and then they can shut you down from the economy. And it could actually, like, I, you can do this right now. If you go on Facebook, I, I don't know the details, but you can see what Facebook has you labeled as. And uh, one of my friends posted on how to do that. Um, and for him, it said uh, uh, very liberal, and for me, it said uh, moderate. And I was like, "That's cool. How do they do that?" I mean, I think for me, I'm, I immediately was flashing back, like, "Well, I'm always kind of like just looking here, looking there, looking at what are they saying? It looks like they're mad. What are, what are they saying? It looks like they're mad." Da, 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 da. So Facebook looks at like, "Oh, you must be moderate." And uh, and then from my friend that that where it says very liberal, from the things that are being shared, it's very consistently liberal and and i don't even know what that means anymore but it's i would say what i recognize is a consistency of a vibe of maybe even tribe i mean it's more but there's a consistency in line of of thought and i'm wondering what if that's what facebook 
labeled him as and you know is that what you're kind of referencing it analyzes your interactions and how much time you spent in certain communities and what you publish and it targets you it targets you targets your attention based on that and it could feed you articles that are more to your preferences which sort of keeps you in line to what they already expect from Mm. you so it's it's a self-feeding mechanism and yeah that's part of it that's a large extent to what happened today and meaning the economy is going towards a digital infrastructure and so they're onboarding a lot of it you know calling it colloquially build back better but essentially it's just centralization of society computers make the choices artificial intelligence will decide and your livelihood will be calculated and reduced to you know expectations based on the demands of government social quote-unquote justice action like social justice whatever the the milieu might be but essentially if you don't toe the line you're going to be exposed as being a a terrorist or an extremist and they can shut you down from society so that's the whole model of this underlying this i mean because there's other people who've written about uh this angle and the point of it is that they are finding that in the next industrial revolution or the fourth industrial revolution is based on information that is going to be important so whoever has the greatest dominance of artificial intelligence and computing power and more access to rare earth minerals and materials then they're going to be uh, sort of conquering or dominating the next stage just like whoever won the railroad uh, race dominated the entire industrial era yeah yeah and one thing that impedes this infrastructure to continue to be onboarded is legacy ideas legacy as old or tried out mm. according to the policymakers and grandfathered the ideas kind of like yeah. how we call them phones but we should just call them something else well I've, what i mean by that is freedom mm. so the legacy idea according to them and there's an actual document, a memo, and that is Them? a presentation. The National Institution, the National Security Institute of Artificial Intelligence. Ooh. So Whitney Webb, she, you can look some of her work on Whitney Twitter, Webb. but she's not the only one. There's other people that have discussed this. Ryan Dawson, Cor- uh, James Corbett, many different individuals. But I've read the article from Whitney Webb. But it just, it's something that I've already researched myself. Mm-hmm. The idea here is that. Society in China is a Confucian society. They're more of community geared. They're more into what the status quo demands of them. So they, they, the need for conformity is highly important. And according to their analysis, that is actually giving them a leg up in the technocratic era because the centralization of people in a, through conformity creates a better more predictable society that you can calculate steer and control when you have a less legacy system quote-unquote according to them uh like freedom self-ownership independence individuality so to them it's legacy yes because it's it's outdated and based on barbaric human uh traditions if i were to imagine what their mindset may be i would say that they would see generally the population as being outdated they 
is it maybe also even that they view themselves as dominant over that, so it's subservient? Yes, yes. in an itching way, they see as themselves as new like and that. maybe innovative. Is it maybe it's subservient? They see themselves as the masters of history. Uh, I think uh, Karl Rove, he's an important quote. He said, "We're." Uh, we're history's actors. It doesn't matter, what, you know, if it's a lie. You know, we are the ones creating history. So that's how they believe some of these individuals who've been in government and in power for a long time. They as in those uh, officials? or uh, Well, I mean, the super class. Because it also includes politicians, includes big, powerful corporate leaders. It includes people in the know and who have a lot of resources. So they, in general, there's people... Who we can say and identify, oh, well, Bill Gates has a foundation and has several countries that have a presence with their foundation. And they've been sued by India because of Ooh, their... Do you know about that? Yeah, yeah. The malfeasance in India and the vaccines that they dumped on them. So, you know, there's a whole deal behind it, but th- they you, don't get you're in welcome, trouble. You're welcome to unpack because that's, you know, I remember there's, a, there's this one... Indian uh, lady, I don't know her name. Bill Gates is actually continuing the work of Monsanto. I've talked about how he's pirated seeds we have saved that tolerates salt and floods, and he says invention. This biopiracy is a bit like Columbus. Why do I call him today's Columbus? Because he's carving out new colonies. Many people regard Bill Gates as a philanthropist, as a person who does a lot, you know, like the um, elimination of malaria. But as Vandana Shiva is now articulately explaining, obviously better than I could, with more wisdom and knowledge than I'm likely to accrue, that there could be alternative motivations for this apparent philanthropy. You say he has a a strategy, a nefarious uh, strategy, what you describe as philanthrocapitalism, In the episode of Under the Skin we did with Joel Backin, he also explained that good companies, inverted commas good, are bad and creating problems because they are now claiming to be more than profit-driven enterprises. They're sort of lifestyle companies, ideologies. This is true dystopia. True dystopia looks quite nice and has high aims. It's not cackling, draconian and overtly Machiavellian. It comes sort of clear, well-branded, apparently kind. But the objectives, if the objectives are the accumulation of power rather than the sharing of power, then you know what you've got. You're not saying he's using the wrong methods. He's pursuing a wrong goal with self-interest. You also uh, uh, attack Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the founder of, of Facebook, saying they're all linked together. You're saying that powerful billionaires might somehow have shared interest. What could Mark Zuckerberg, the plutocrat leader of Facebook, have in common with Bill Gates, the plutocrat leader of Microsoft? I mean, what possible shared interests could these two guys have? I mean, this reeks a bit of conspiracy theory, doesn't it? People's frustrations and concerns about globalization are not properly addressed because the objectives of globalizing interests are very, very powerful, and they align very neatly with the interests of the media. So you won't hear negative opinions freely expressed because that's what power does. Power eliminates opposition. We stopped Mark Zuckerberg from trying to get into Indian agriculture. It was a big mobilization of people who believe in the open internet. What did he want to do? 
Well, you know, basically what they do is they mine the data from the farmers. Large corporations such as Microsoft, Amazon and IBM are racing to collect as much data as they can from all nodes of the food system, becoming more and more integrated and connected through corporate partnerships, mergers and takeovers, enabling corporate capture of the food system. Once captured, this can then be processed with their powerful algorithms to provide farmers with real-time data and analysis on the condition of their soils and water the growth of their crops, the situation with pests and diseases, and the looming weather and climate changes they may face. There's nothing wrong with that, except that behind it is the imperative to centralize power and create profit. The data and the knowledge of soil and crops will all be used to disempower those farmers, not to empower them. Some of these ideas, the uh, that access to that data might be appealing for farms that can afford technologies, but it's a different story for the 500 million small farm households in the world who produce most of the world's food, who cannot afford the high-priced data gathering technologies. I suppose it seems clear then that to change the world, we must empower this majority that do not have access to these centralizing systems and have to therefore kowtow to them, ultimately yield to them and be subsumed into their centralizing might. For the corporations investing in digital agriculture, the objective is to integrate millions of farmers into a vast centrally controlled digital network. Once integrated, they'll be heavily encouraged, if not obligated. What's that gun for? That's the old encouraging gun. Don't speak ill of the encouraging gun. To buy their products and to supply them with agricultural commodities. All of this functioning through the mobile money systems being developed by the same companies. Doesn't the image come to mind of a sort of giant claw descending from the heavens and placing these nodes that are gathering information into the lives of people that have been existing for a long time in relative comfort. I'm sure Indian agriculture is fraught with all manner of complex difficulties, famine, failings, poverty and problems. But let's not pretend that big tech and the Great Reset are about anything other than centralizing and maximizing their own power because this is again the requirements of the ecologic and ideological system that underwrites all of these undertakings. Bill Gates does both. He takes living resources and our seeds and biodiversity, mines it into data and wants ownership along with his friends and Mark Zuckerberg mines your data and your behaviors and turns it into the raw material. I like that the people like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates are sort of in the background like, so I am doing some of this stuff, she's right, you know, sorry, sorry, I am gathering up all their seeds and all their data, yes, and centralizing and keeping, I'm very sorry about all, oh God, this is embarrassing, can I leave? You have enough data on what happened with Facebook selling data, this is a major threat to democracy. But she's been very outspoken, uh, in not a favor, not in favor of Bill Gates, and I haven't looked into it, but I remember recognizing why why is she so cautious of Bill Gates? And I'm like, I thought Bill Gates was the nice sweater guy, you know. And but you know, the the I, I like I appreciate that there's there's acknowledgement from another that's viewing not the sweater, but views the a perhaps a an intention that's invisible behind it, the sweater. And so I'm thinking, I should look into it. I haven't, so I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, is that kind of along those lines? Yeah, there's well, if you look at the history of Bill Gates, James Corbett makes a really good documentary that really delves into like proven actual on the books. Is he a journalist? He's a very important journalist, and I think people should go into James his research. 
James Corbett, James CorbettReport.com. He's a very interesting individual, uh, and he has a lot um, of research. What, those who maybe who don't like him, what do they call him? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't encountered many people who have a okay. lot of negative things to say about him because it's not very... Uh, He's not very divisive or rhetorical. He's just, he's, he's very critical. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of information based thing, but I, I wouldn't okay. know. That's uh, good. The thing is that Bill Gates has created wealth through government collusion and by theft. And those are not honest or virtuous ways of accruing wealth. But the reason he got away with it is because he has political connections and he's been convicted of some of these criminal collusions, you know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. He, there is a video of his disposition. The time is 1.48. We are going back on the record. This is take three of the videotape deposition of Bill Gates on September 2nd. Mr. Gates, let me show you a document marked as uh, Government Exhibit 390. And yes, because he was doing dirty dealings and trying to monopolize the markets. Anyways, so there's, there's a... High in the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Sometimes I catch myself and look at it at the video and I think, well, finally, somebody got them. Yeah. But some of these people are identifiable. They're, they're real and they might expound philanthropy like, oh, we're here to help. We're here. Well, usually you should be more skeptical of someone who's trying to help because they, a lot of the time, they use that as an excuse or a camouflage control or... And that's how the public functions. Sometimes they just look at the immediate moment, the news, something happened. But they don't look at the yeah. underlying history, the patterns, and the why it continues like to happen. Like Israel, Palestine. Like, we look at, oh, look how bad they are. Well, no, no, look at how bad they are. No, 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 look at how bad. And then seeing the protests in New York, and they're just screaming, no one's talking. And it's just, oh, I can't believe you support genocide. I don't support genocide. And it's like, oh, it's going to be a very unproductive occasion would you say that's the first impression that is received kind of like, like that recent example yeah, most of the times. <laughs> yeah, I think people like to fight about it. And it's, you know, even on that one particular topic, I it, I find it so interesting because there's so much history depth, depth in history. Perhaps it's beyond our, our, our knowing, our field of awareness, and they're, they're, both, they're both wrong. And there's bad things happening on both sides. And, you know, clearly it's a deeply perhaps even biblical, nuanced uh, situation where it's not, a, it's not a simple conversation to be citing any, with anybody with. And I like various topics like what you're sharing right now. Yeah, you definitely want to do your own research yeah. and uh, ask those critical questions and you know, ex publish what are your findings and put it out there. That way people can peer review, peer check you know, it's not just a fancy word for scientists to do, you know, to check. Uh, we can check each other, a peer check. It's important. And that creates more uh, of a truth-seeking environment. 
And no, mm. it's never bad. No. Never bad. And uh, it's not everything as straightforward as it seems. Because if not, you know, more and more does it not seem... Are we experiencing a sort of cold world war? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I wanted to toss this poem at you that flowed through me with that question. And it goes like this. Are we all just making... Aren't, okay, here it is. Aren't we all just making observations of all that is illuminating to us? All the days when wars were fought with masses of waves until land was caught. Where do troops on the ground appear? In the mine all around and so near. A cold world war, the likes unseen. Within the antenna of social dilemma, Oh, does it seem? What comes to mind? Well, uh, the recent news that China China said that we ha they are in a cold war with the United States, and then they said that. Yeah, the, that's the headlines. That's the headlines. You can look into it, but essentially, some of the military political uh, the the opinion in China is that there has been an ongoing war, and that it got focused on by the economic trade war between Trump and China. That was the focus, but it's been going on for a while. And, you know, I have a different perspective about it. it I can't just be brief, but I'll try. Essentially, Cold War, is it helps the state to continue holding on to power. And despite what the problems of the economy or the society are presently occurring, it can create the illusion that it's all worth it because we got a bad guy to deal with and so it usually helps governments it doesn't help people and yeah. it creates more war or you know potential for war but you know the other statement and this is some of the political or scientific figureheads of china i forget his name and he essentially said this professor 尤其是生物战的成就这四年任期所主导的全球化的失败 that they've won the biological war against United States and that they've been laboratory yeah, the Wuhan laboratory and the gain of function research there's a funded by funded by you know United States and the 
some part of Australia, Francis Boyle. So Francis Boyle is an expert and he has, I will believe, an authoritative source. And at the onset of what the pandemic was being told to us, what it was. And uh, he stated clearly that no, that it was uh, genetically engineered. In other words, it was created in a lab for research purposes. So I looked into some of the findings and some of the source articles. If you go back to 2014 and 2012 and other years, there was a big uproar in general in universities and campuses. They were talking about, should we really be experimenting with these viruses? Should we, we have a gain of function, which means the ability to transmute I mean, transmit diseases to humans. I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but I'm, from what I understand, it was a debate on why or should they continue engineering viruses, right? So that's the problem that they had, and the uproar came back and they said, no, we probably should not. So they moved the lab and the resources or the information or the experimental data to places like Australia and they also had an uproar and the Australians pass it off to the Chinese. So there's complicity in all these different governments. The idea is, oh, we are suspicious of the bad guy. We're suspicious of the other country. So we have to develop these genetically engineered viruses because we have to prepare our society in case they release it. That's one of the, you know, sort of surface this hypothesis yeah well that's one understanding of maybe why they do this you know it's oh. explanation it's like well why are you doing this if this is so dangerous oh we have to do it because then we'll kind of like nuclear uh, yes like it, look if yes. there if there's a race for nuclear then we have to have them too exactly exactly so yeah that stuff it's uh i published my findings and i talked about the manipulation of the death count and how they usually occur in more elderly folk and how it's going to create more opportunity for government tyranny. And I remember in Texas, I mean, when they passed the, the mandate to enforce masks, like masks will be forced. The reason, in my opinion, that felt like it was a, a show or a signaling to individuals that they have to comply in order to be part of the solution, which gives us this conformity or this gr this condition of conformity, because to go uh, to go against the grain or to do otherwise, then you're putting granny in danger. But never mind that there's all these different types of hospitals and institutions that are literally profit off medical malpractice. And yeah, there's articles that talk about this issue where there's doctors or dentists, typically dentists, where they order uh, unnecessary medical procedures so that they can continue on with their business. So there's... Oh, like write-off? Yeah, or bilking. It's a, it's a term. Uh, bilking means you, you overcharge someone on their bill and you make it seem like it's legitimate and stuff. So, uh, yeah, anyway. Especially because of insurance. Yes, of course. And you know, somebody else will pay for it. And, yeah. You're but, not paying for it. Here's your deductible. Right. And the government involvement mm -hmm. in the medical industry has just made it worse and worse so that the other people who have insurance are going to have to pay more for it. So, yeah. I mean, the whole, there's more to it, but I'm yeah. just trying yeah. to pace myself yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, I hear that. And I just want to say, you know, the fact that you're, you're sharing your eye, your, your thoughts, you know, uh, I appreciate the fact that, you know, you're coming down from North Carolina on the way to San Antonio and uh, stopping by here in San Antonio. 
for tacos, for tacos. <laughs> and you're going to see, you got to tell us where the tacos, you know, there's been a taco war here in Texas, Austin, San Antonio, Laredo, you know, you're, you're coming through. So can you help us out with what is the truth? Oh, no. <laughs> I see. I see. No, no. No, man. No, uh, no. <laughs> to, to wrap up our time here, thank you for your time. Um, uh, final thoughts would come to mind, you know, especially as we unveil into this timeline. What are you noticing that, that we can raise concern uh, within ourselves so that perhaps we can detach and observe from such convictions and maybe allow the granting of looking at the other, whoever that other is. Okay, focus on the results of what your thoughts and your actions have on yourself and those around you and take a good, honest picture in accounting and look at how uh, has it improved your life? Does it make you happy? And if it hasn't, it, there must be a reason that is on the foundation. So if you start from the bottom up, you'll be better off. Even if it feels like you have to start from scratch and get rid of a lot of uh, preconceived ideas or comfortable uh, ideas it will be all right because it will be worth it your life will be more fruitful you'll be open towards more opportunity and wealth and you'll be able to really exercise your will if you actually delay your gratification if you work hard keep yourself patient and believe in yourself those are actually things that happen and they work and right now society is geared towards embracing the bad in people and keeping us in line with eliminating fear. it yeah exactly keeping our sympathies and our empathy out of sight out of mind and that's something we should not ever give up we should never give up our humanity because that's our real opportunity to the next chapter of human evolution. It's not all bleak. It's not all miserable. Things appear to be miserable and bleak because that's how they demoralize us. That's how the powers that shouldn't be control our life. If you can't be happy in the now, then why are you going fighting over there? Why are you going to fight with other people? Fight for your own happiness. And in that, you can create more happiness for others and attract and build from that spot. Don't look out there for solutions. Look in here. And that, that fighting, may it, may it be transmuted in, in, the, in the holding of peace. Like, without the fighting of, like, well, love, peace, love, and resist. Well, well peace, love, and sustain. Peace, love, and sustain, perhaps. Thank you, brother. May curiosity continue to unfold. What the heck's going on here? We did a thing. Salion Vibra.